Welcome one and all to bonus episode 78 of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, just one show this week is uh, you and I both had prior commitments. You uh, doing the studying and me uh, going out with the wife on our anniversary because we don't get to do that since we have football every night of the week. So, uh, <laughs> Happy I anniversary. Yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, bearing with us. No free show this week, but uh, we always try to get you guys something for the patrons and and this week we're going to start off with our kind of like way too early rankings where we start to discuss our thoughts on the 2023 nfl draft class uh things will change by december and then again in january when declaration day and then we'll probably tighten those up in march when we usually do um when uh Daniel Jeremiah and uh, yeah, <laughs> Matt Miller and everybody tells us who the top quarterbacks are. Right. So, <laughs> but but typically we're. Uh, I mean, you guys know by now we want to see testing numbers. That's one of the things that we uh, think are important. Obviously, the quarterback position is one of the least important from an athletic testing standpoint based on how guys play so if you're you know if you're cj stroud and you end up being a four nine guy you're you're probably you're probably going to end up being like oh is is this going to work but you know i don't think that's going to be an issue because he'll test at uh ohio state and run like a four <laughs> four i mean he probably won't run Honestly. Yeah, right. Yeah, that'd be my guess. But I, I think the other thing, too, is as you listen to our way too early rankings, also understand, and I think you all that are listening here do understand um, that we take other things into consideration, like age, the age of the prospect, the age that the player is breaking out, the age that he's going to be as a rookie. Um, we talked a lot about that with Kenny Pickett last year. It's going to come up this year with a couple of guys too, some guys that we might talk about tonight and some guys that we might not. Um, BC Miami's uh, going to be starting. The Dolphins are going to be starting a 25-year-old rookie in Skylar Thompson because two is out. And uh, I guess Teddy Bridgewater as well. So uh, you've got, you know, you know, we've talked a lot about in the past, Brandon Whedon, what a terrible pick that was because he turned, uh, I think, 29 a month or two into his rookie year. How old's too old? And, and all of those things go into it. You know, we're going to tend to favor the younger guys, the underclassmen, as far as early round picks. I, I think that's just generally going to be how, how we feel. And we've already heard and we've talked about on the show that the NFL seems pretty keen on Will Levis, even though he's going to be 24 in June, similar to how Kenny Pickett was coming out this past draft. So it's going to be, you know, like Seth said, the ra- the rankings are fluid. Obviously, at this point, we've watched quite a few quarterbacks, but, but not all of them. We seem to have uh, watched a good amount of the top guys, the quote-unquote top guys. So we'll see where things, uh, how things shake up. It's important to know also for listeners, we don't know who each other's top five are at this point. No, we don't. Uh, we have an idea, though, of number one. So we're going to work from one down to five um, because we're we're fairly confident that we're going to come into this thing 
thinking the same thing and then adjusting if we need to. And uh, for me, it starts with C.J. Stroud. I'm assuming you're the same. Yeah, C.J. Stroud is is a quarterback one. But I want to, you know, will come back to me, but maybe I might not be as high on him as people might think. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't think this quarterback class is as good as people wanted it to be in terms of like high end talent. Um, now that's not to say that Stroud can't be a good quarterback, but I'm not sure if you took, and I know you can't do this, but if you took, you know, the last four or five draft classes, I'm not sure if Stroud is number one in, in anybody's class. Um, would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think he would have been number one last year, and and I think he is this year. But you go back a couple of years, and yeah, there's there are some things. You know, I don't think he would have been a higher pick than Justin Fields, just from a athletic ceiling standpoint, for example. So that's going to be interesting when we'll we'll get into it. How are people going to feel about Stroud um, after Fields his his early struggles after Dwayne Haskins and the problems he had as a, a rookie and even going back farther to Cardell Jones, like th- there's going to be that Ohio state stigma. And then you have Stroud who's, who doesn't have the athletic ceiling that, that Justin Fields did coming out. Yeah. And if you just go back like t- two years, obviously like, like Justin said, we probably would have had Stroud one in, in the 2022 class, but we're talking Kenny Pickett as the number one guy in 21. I'd, I'd probably have Stroud over Wilson and Mac Jones. Um, but like just said, probably below Justin Fields in that, in that draft class. Um, and I think both of us probably would have left Trevor Lawrence as, as the number one guy. Right. Um, you know, and then you go back to 20 and that's Joe Burrow. I don't think either of us, and maybe it's hindsight. I don't. I. I. I'm pretty sure you would not have Stroud over Joe Burrow because you love no. Burrow coming out. I did. Um, I mean, I did, and he was, and even though he was an older guy, um, he was 23 as a rookie, turned 24 really late in his rookie year in December. But that's Burrow's like the closest, like right on the edge of where I really want my quarterback to be age-wise coming out. And I still would have had him over Stroud, yeah. And then, I mean, to attack a Vilo, we we both would have had Stroud over him. Probably. I think Justin Herbert's probably the, like, tipping point um, of what... I was too low on Herbert um, because of that, his, his, it, his lackluster senior year. It was so... It was just so uh, unenergetic, and it was more because of the coaching staff, but... You know, from a physical tools standpoint, I, I probably should be higher on him. He was younger, even though he was a four-year guy, experienced. And that maybe that plays into why my rankings are going to shake out the way they are this year so far. So, I mean, you look at it, you're talking a guy that's probably in the top five, but is not number one and is closer and is probably closer to five, maybe six in, in the overall rankings of even just the last – you know, three classes, but Stroud offers some, you know, strong things. And that's, I mean, that's what we're looking at one. And I think you're going to agree with this. They are going, he is going to come out after this year. Correct. 
I would be shocked if he doesn't. Um, the only thing I could think that might hold him back is if, you know, maybe they play in the championship game and come up just short. Sometimes a guy wants to come back and win that championship. Maybe an injury might cause him to come back, but I would be shocked. I mean, I really think he's ticketed for the pros uh, this year. He's technically a redshirt sophomore in his second full year as a starter, third year at Ohio State. It seems like Kyle McCord is being groomed to take over next year. I'd be stunned. Uh, it would have to take some very significant uh, event to keep him at Ohio State next year, I would think. So, like most quarterbacks, and this is what kind of we'll get into here, but I, the thing that you want to see most out of Stroud or the growth out of Stroud for me more than anything else is – that that intermediate passing game. So, you know, you break the field off into into three sections, and I know some people now include behind the line of scrimmage. I, I just don't, but and and Ohio State's offense is conducive to them throwing a lot of passes, you know, nine yards or less. That's just they have superior athletes. You get them in space one on one, they're gonna win. So I never blame a guy for that at all. So you look at his attempts in space and he's at 49, you know, zero or sorry, he's at 64 in that, in that nine yards or less range uh, for just about 600 yards. Um, And so that's, that's good. You look at his deep passing. So deep passing considered 20 plus yards downfield in the air when the ball's, you know, caught, uh, not gains of. Uh, and you look at it, and and he's doing a nice job. About 400 yards, six touchdowns, only one interception. Um, it's it's definitely not a strength, but it's not a weakness. Like he he doesn't throw a bad deep ball. He gets his guys in position to be successful and make plays, and that's really what you want from a quarterback, right? Um, and I think for him, it's something that you've seen improve. If you look at him. In his first few starts, his first handful of starts last season in 2021, and you look at him now and what just like last weekend against Michigan State, the deep ball is much more accurate. He's putting the ball out in front of his receivers, and he's knowing his receivers. Granted, he plays with a murderer's row of four or five-star receivers every year, which which I don't know. It it is interesting because some people will knock him for that. But he's going to be oh, throwing yeah. NFL receiver. He's going to be throwing the NFL receivers in the pros. So it's not but the, like. But the difference is he's not going to have all the time. And he has no, right and, now. And he has all the time in the world to camp back there. You're correct, and that's I think where the issue becomes. What the biggest red flag for him coming out is to me is his intermediate game. Um, you look at his intermediate game, and numbers wise, it's not terrible he he lives down the middle of the field 31 of those um attempts that he's thrown of between 10 and 19 yards are in the middle of the field um so 31 of 56 attempts so more than half are coming right down the middle of the field and you look at it and that's that makes sense because in that area, you're able to see, especially as you pointed out, when you have a lot of time, you're able to see guys coming open late, right? And so 
his issues, maybe not with how well he throws those intermediate balls, but how often he's throwing those intermediate balls outside the hashes. That's where I'm concerned because you would think in a, in a rhythm offense that he plays in where, like you said, he does have superior talent. He would be able to, to get more passes into that 10 to 19 yard range outside of the hashes. And he's only attempted 25 all season, um, either left or right side. And so that to me is where I start to be like, okay, is this a guy that trusts his arm, that trusts his receivers enough? Or to, to Justin's point earlier, is he able to get to things late because he's got a lot of time now i will say this he he creates time for himself as well with his athleticism he moves extremely well and he holds up well like he's not a guy that if he gets hit or get you, you get a hand on him he's gonna go down so all of that is is what puts him at qb1 right now it's mm-hmm. i want to see him making those anticipation throws more consistently those 10 12 yard uh out routes those 10 you know, 15 yard dig and comeback routes before I'm like, this is the guy. Now this is nitpicking. Obviously we're talking about the guy that's we're leveling as the best in the draft this year. But if people are going to say like, Oh, um, Carolina should definitely take him with the number one overall pick. It's, I don't think it's a layup. And I think that's where the questions come in and you, you know, you mentioned it, he would have been the best last year, but the first quarterback went at 20 and there wasn't another quarterback taken. So like, would you have taken Stroud in the top 10 last year? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think probably yes. Um, without looking back exactly how that draft fell but i think yeah i think i would have because you think about how many offensive linemen went up there you had a cornerback going number three which is higher than usual you had uh three receivers going 10 11 12 so um yeah i mean if there's a i do think stroud's gonna be a starter an nfl starter um there's there's a few things i want to touch on really quickly why i think he might be a better uh passer you know, than, than Fields early on in his career, because like we said, we, he doesn't have the athletic ceiling, but Stroud is a guy who has always been coached to keep his eyes down the field. So like you said, when he's extending plays, he's he probably could take off and run more often than he does, but he's keeping his eyes down the field and trying to extend the plays and scan the field. He does that really well. Uh, he, he places the ball where his receivers can get yards after the catch. He can throw the back shoulder fade. I, th- I would like to see him be a little more to sell those play action fakes better. He's a little casual with that, but he can roll out, throw on the run, throw from the pocket. He's so poised. He never seems rattled. And that's really kind of been a standard of Ohio State quarterbacks at the collegiate level. Will that transfer to the pros? Because you see Fields uh, does get seem to get a little skittish under pressure. now. The other thing about Stroud, he doesn't turn the ball over. He's no, he does not. This year, he has no fumbles. He's thrown 24 touchdowns, three picks, no fumbles. So very secure with the ball for as much as he throws. 
but they are really balanced right now. So is it going to be a case where when we get into, when we see Ohio State get into the meat of their schedule, Penn State, Michigan, um, Big Ten Championship maybe, are they going to rely on him more? Because at some points, they've even just really uh, ridden their running attack and their offensive line has just been phenomenal run blocking and pass protecting. So I guess if you're a line guy, keep an eye on these Ohio State linemen. We talked about Paris Johnson recently on the mock draft. But really, all five of their starters are playing out of their minds early on. So we'll see when the competition heats up. Who who you got at number two? So after Stroud, to me, it gets murky because we – and we'll get into – you know, the pluses and minuses of all these guys. But I, I'm going to probably throw you for a loop, maybe. If not you, Seth, then some of our listeners. But K.J. Jefferson is my number two quarterback in this class at this point. And, uh, of course, he's the Arkansas quarterback. He's got he's a big body guy, 6'3", 240. He's an effective power runner. And he's a little bit probably more elusive than you would think for a guy his size. He's got some downhill speed, not an elusive running style, but a guy who doesn't take huge direct hits. And um, you look at, at how he's grown as a passer. I think he shows some ability to survey the field. He can step up in the pocket and still keeping his eyes downfield, deliver. Good zip on the ball to the middle of the field. He'll take the check down too. That's something I've noticed this year. He puts the ball up on the hands of his receivers. If he's out, out in front on these short passes or down the sidelines, um, he really keeps the ball up where his guys can get it, um, where they can make a play even when it's a contested catch. He has a full I've, – I've seen him make a full pump fake like Roethlisberger. So that makes me think he's got big hands, which would go along with his size. And, um, you know, when, he is, when he's running or when he's getting – uh, when, when, when defenders get their hands on him behind the line of scrimmage, he's got the strength to kind of step through the tackles and keep the play alive. And he's another guy, passing-wise, does not turn the ball over. Only one interception this year. I think he only had three last year. And uh, he does have four fumbles, so he's got to tighten that up when he's running the ball. But you're, I don't think you're going to see him with as many designed runs when he gets to the pros. I like K.J. Jefferson. I don't understand really why. People are so much uh, higher, seemingly, on a guy like Will Levis than K.J. Jefferson in the same conference. Similar size, good arm strength. Why are, are people overlooking Jefferson and gravitating toward Levis? I don't get it. It's interesting. I, I don't have uh, Jefferson in my top five. I do like him a lot. I do think he's a guy that we'll come back to as we go through the year because I'm interested to see how he kind of finishes up this year. Um, because like you said, he's having his best season and he's developed well as a passer. Um, he's also I, banged up right now, unfortunately. Right, that's how. Um, and and I should say, you know, that somebody could ask me, do I think, would I take him in the first round? And I might, you know, I'm hesitant after Stroud. I'm hesitant on, on all these guys in the first round. But I guess I probably would when you get into the 20s and beyond. I think he's as good a prospect as, as Pickett who went in the 20s. I think he's a better prospect than that, actually. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably take him in the first round. 
So my number two right now is probably going to surprise you as well. Um, but I, I feel like he's doing this year what we expected of him. And he's starting to put to, put it together. And that's uh, DJU. Um, I think he's, you know, again, this, this quarterback class gets really murky, like you said. And, and there's two guys that come next that it's not that I dislike them. I just, DJU's upside is more intriguing to me um, than, than the, the next guys. And so. So he's really made that, that leap to you in your opinion. Yeah, I think he has this year, but again, it comes back to the other thing of like, this isn't exactly a ringing endorsement of the class. And, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, the, the biggest concern I have with, with DJ is, and this is a Clemson thing, obviously, is how little they throw the ball down the field. Uh, you know, we talked about, about CJ Stroud throwing the ball down the field and he does a, a nice job of it in the, in the deep range. Um, on the, on the flip side, you have, you have DJU who doesn't put the ball down the field very often. And that's where I want to see some more of him, but it also does bring up the question that we've talked about when it comes to Ohio state. And that's is, is Clemson, do they just not have the athletes to get the ball down the field consistently? Um, 81 attempts of 10 or more yards. That, that includes 20, 20 yard passes. So 40, uh, 20 plus yards, 41, 10 to 19 yards, 95 passes of nine yards or less. Mm -hmm. So that, and there's been criticism of Clemson's, offensive style. system over yeah. the years even with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence in there yeah and so that's why I look at it you know there are questions about Lawrence right now and when you look at it um, you you can have those questions about Clemson quarterbacks but what I've seen this year from from DJ the growth as a as a passer and then the physical nature that he still plays with at 64240 um he's a really intriguing prospect to me that being said i wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't come out this year i think we talked about that earlier in the season about because we were talking about how much he's improved and i might as well say it while we're on the subject of DJU but he's my fifth quarterback he's my QB5 right now um but the improvement that he's shown, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year, there was a question, was was Cade Klubnik, the freshman, going to beat him out at some point this year? And it seems like he's right. completely shut that talk down. And rightfully so. Clemson is is on a roll. They're poised to um, definitely challenge for the ACC again and, and possibly for a playoff berth. Um, there's a lot to like about him. Um, when he'll stand in there when he has the time, he, uh, unlike Stroud, I think he's more effective hiding the ball on those play action fakes. He's got a strong arm that he, he shows off on the seam routes. He's not a fast runner, but kind of like Jefferson along those lines, he, he, he's able to avoid the big hits in the open field. So he's, he's mobile and he can um, pick up yards for you without taking that big blow. 
and he will try and squeeze it in sometimes in a tight spot, which you got to be careful with that, but he's, he feels confident in the arm. I think he's improved his ball placement on contested catches in those situations. I think he's doing better this year, feeling the pressure and, and reacting to it. I still see him locking his eyes onto targets. And, um, but he will stand in and take a hit to get a throw off. He's just a streaky player to me still. He's, he uh, still needs to be more consistent with the accuracy. And I think sometimes he gets a little amped up. So where I say Stroud is always calm and poised. And yeah, he might have a three and out here and there. But DJU, you can almost tell at times during the game where he's getting a little bit too juiced up and you got to calm him down. He's got to settle down. But um, again, another guy is protecting the ball this year. From 10 interceptions last year, only two so far this year, two fumbles. So ball security is really tightened up for him. And there's a lot to like the big body, the big arm, the mobility. And uh, he seems to have improved his work ethic as well. I'll, I'll go with number three first, and I'll go with uh, the guy that's a favorite to many, Bryce Young. And the reason I have Young this low is because there, there's two things. One, he's the best of the bunch in the intermediate passing game right now. Like, it's it's actually one of his strengths. But it goes back to what we talked about with Stroud, and that's that he has a lot of time to throw the ball when he's back there. Um, and then it also, you know, he's throwing to superior talent. And so those things I don't knock a guy for, but I acknowledge that it is, you know, it makes his job a little bit easier. The things that worry me about Young are he's not the elite athlete that like a Kyler Murray is at at that size that can avoid hits. And we've already seen him get dinged up a couple of times from his inability to get away from, from defenders. And it's almost like he's too comfortable in the pocket. And I know people will be like, well, that's what you want from a quarterback, but that's what you want from a guy like DJU who's 6'4 and 250 pounds, not a guy in Bryce Young that's maybe six feet and 190. Those are the things that concern me about Young is, is that he does a great job of spreading the ball around. He's consistent throwing those intermediate routes that I think are like the big routes in the NFL. But I just worry that he's too cavalier in the pocket and too comfortable in Alabama pockets, and it's not going to be there in the NFL, and he hasn't shown me consistent ability to escape. So let's stick with Young. We'll call him my 3B because I had a lot of of trouble sussing out who is my number three and number four. So Young is in my top five. We'll call him 3B for me. But again, um, you talked about he's got a noticeably slim build. If he's six feet tall, and if he's really six feet tall, I'd be surprised. He's he does appear to be about 190 to 195 pounds. Maybe he's going to be able to put on some weight before he gets measured officially, but that's small. That's a small and slight build for a quarterback. Not just short, but slight. 
And um, he is athletic, but you make a great point. He's not Kyler Murray athletic. Um, and the other thing is with that athletic instinct, he will buy time, but he's still almost always looking to pass. So that leaves him vulnerable sometimes to a hit that he may have been able to avoid if he just takes the yards that he's being given and, and takes off and runs. He's doing a little bit better with that this year. But, you know, there's some indication that he has trouble seeing the middle of the field from the pocket. If you look at that Texas game in particular, um, he's holding the ball a lot on some of the third downs, especially when it got to third and long. He's standing in the pocket. It looked like he was having trouble seeing guys getting open. We, we've heard Tua, who came from Alabama, talk about that candidly at the NFL level, that he, he has trouble seeing guys, and that's what he tells his receivers to run certain routes. Um, Young does have kind of a high release point for a shorter guy. That's going to help, but it's it's going to help him avoid getting passes batted, not help him see over the, the offensive line. He's got a playmaker instinct. He's he's always he will try and extend plays, usually for the best. Sometimes to his detriment, as we talk about the hits that he takes, he will take the check down. He's got a quick trigger. That's good. Um, he's as I said, he's doing a better job taking what the defense is giving him in the ground game, and he's super clutch, super super clutch player. You look at the Ar- uh, the Auburn game last year, he. Hits a huge fourth down, rallies him back to a win in overtime. You look at the Texas game this year where it looked like they might get knocked off. He rallies him back, puts him in position to win, takes care of the football, three picks, only one fumble on the year, but again, he's dinged up. So Bryce Young, I like him, but physically he's inferior to some of these guys. And I don't know, you know, what we're seeing in the NFL right now is the NFL is, I think, Correct me if you don't, I mean, tell me if you don't agree with this, but it seems to me the NFL is catching up to these shorter quarterbacks. And so we're starting to see a gravitation back toward the big guys. Yeah, and you just wonder how it's going to work out and, and where they will uh, they will be able to get it to. And that's, you know, that's the thing that you look at is, is a guy like Young going to come in too small um even like we talked about before you you have a couple things i mean obviously the height but it's the it's how lean he is that is really interesting to me because and and, and d- sorry to interrupt but does he have the frame to bulk cuz yeah. he looks not only does he look lean he looks like he might have trouble adding weight, which we've seen out of guys from, from Alabama, like, uh, you know, Devonte Smith, for example. Yeah, exactly. And so like, that's the thing, you know, you have to look at with young, I, I, like I said, he's, he's my quarterback three. I don't think there's any, you know, issues with him. I think he's, I, uh, my questions stem from, and you know, like you brought up the ability to push the ball down the middle of the field. And then, um, that frame, man. Who's your number? Yeah. I guess four, three B. Well, that was three B. So I'll go to three A. And this is where call this the call this the Josh Allen factor, I guess, or the Josh Allen effect. Because I think back to twenty eighteen, 
lot of people were were high. I'm not comparing Bryce Young to Baker Mayfield, but a lot of people were high on Baker Mayfield. I wasn't. A lot of people were high on Josh Allen. I wasn't. But when push came to shove, and when I when my final rankings came out, I still was higher on Josh Allen than I was on Baker Mayfield. Even though Allen was loosey goosey with the football, I liked the athletic upside. I liked the cannon arm. And if you're gonna take a quarterback at that point, and you have you're choosing between those two guys, I thought. I, I, give me the guy with all the athletic upside in the world and see what happens. And obviously now we know what happened at the pro level, despite the fact, you know, people like to forget Josh Allen was pretty bad as a passer his first couple of years. But uh, because of all the athletic upside, time has has smoothed that out. Now he's an effective uh, passer. So that brings me to, to 3A, and that's Anthony Richardson. And there's a lot not to like with Anthony Richardson. And I'll start with the obvious. All these guys that I've talked about protecting the football, Richardson has not done that. He's got seven interceptions already this year. He's got uh, three fumbles. But the flashes that you see from Richardson are unlike any of the other quarterbacks in the class. So he has easy, easy arm strength. Uh, you see that ball pop out of his hand. I think more than any quarterback we've talked about tonight. Uh, the running ability. He's got better running ability, elusiveness in the open field than any quarterback we've talked about tonight. And he combines that with the big frame of guys like Jefferson and DJU. So, um, you know, he's got more wiggle in the open field as a runner than any of these guys. He, he, he carries it more like a running back or a receiver in the open field. He's going to be almost unstoppable as a goal line threat when you get into those sets. I think he's still learning how to be a passer. So you see him hold it longer than he, he should. And um, maybe he should take off and run even more often, but he's probably being coached not to, to try and keep him healthy. But the thing is, he, he does miss behind his receivers quite a bit. You'll see that on tape. And it's maybe because he's processing slower. So the trigger's later. He might think he has the arm to get it there on time, but he's, it's a tick late. Um, one thing I, I noted, this is important for a guy who runs the ball. He knows how to slide. So unlike uh, Hendon Hooker, who, for, who didn't make my top five, you watch him run, he takes... Uh, he run, he's tall and, and thinner, but he takes a lot of direct punishing hits with his running style. Richardson will slide and get down. Um, he's a, just a pure tools prospect at this point. But, you know, the accuracy has to get better. The turnovers are a concern. But if you're talking about a guy who, who should go like at the very tail end of round one or uh, early round two, and I say should go because he, he probably would go much higher than that. Uh, this is the type of prospect you would want in that range. Somebody you don't want to have to count on right away. But I know it's not how the NFL works. It's how my brain works, though. So he's my quarterback 3A. I got him just ahead of Young because with Young, you're going to get a better player right now. But you'll never have this, the potential ceiling that you have with Richardson. And really, you don't have that with any of these quarterbacks. It's just that I think a few of them, uh, a couple of them anyway will give you, um, will be safer. My number four is the opposite side 
maybe not opposite side, but I I'm in the same way looking at the Josh Allen effect um, in, in the Will Levis effect. And, and Levis to me is that classic day two quarterback that's going to get pushed into day one uh, because of the desperation. But one of the things I've obviously harped on this entire podcast is that intermediate passing game. And I don't know if there's a better quarterback in this class than Levis at throwing the ball in the intermediate. And that to me is where his strong suit is. And so that's what really intrigues me about Levis. Um, You know, you look at it, he's got what 12 touchdowns to four interceptions. He's not, you know, been great. He missed the game this week against uh, South Carolina, right? Where previous quarterback won. Uh, Spencer Rattler got another W for South Carolina. Quarterback uh, wins. Man, that is an ugly, ugly stat for him. He is four and two when he's thrown five touchdowns to eight interceptions. Oh man! But he's got them, them Gamecocks on the road to uh to a bowl game, man. So who yeah. knows? Uh, but yeah, going back to Levis, I. The arm, he can hit those those outs. He can hit those those digs. Um, he is big enough to win down the middle of the field consistently. Um, those are all kind of the things for me that, that stick out about Levis. Now, the negatives, which, again, we're talking guys that – might go day one, but we would not be interested in until day two. Um, you look at a couple of things. He throws most of his his routes in the middle of the field. And so I think that's Even him. the ones that aren't behind the line of scrimmage? Right. So he does throw quite a bit. I mean, he's not DJU in that aspect of things but he does throw quite a bit behind the line of scrimmage in, in short. Um, Not as much but, this year as last year, but still quite a bit. Right. And, and that's one of my big things for him is the improvement in the intermediate this year. Uh, that kind of sticks out to me of what he can potentially be in the NFL. Now, now this is where we're taking that leap, right? Like you see what Stroud does well and you're saying like, okay, that this, that translates. Like, for me, the big thing with Levis is going to be, can he hit outside the hashes consistently? Because he doesn't have to do it at Kentucky. Like, he's not, it's not something he's doing a lot. And then, two, is he able to ran the mistakes? Because he's, he's got, I know people like to compare him to Josh Allen. He has, and this is going to, when I say it's going to sound worse than what it is, but he has some Baker Mayfield to him where he thinks he can make throws that he's just not able to. And I don't know if that's him feeling the pressure to play hero ball or if it's just the outright confidence he has in himself, but that's something that you see for it. With 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 a guy like Allen, is it just that he's just kind of uh, 
he just does it out of instinct. But with a guy like Levis, are you saying that like Mayfield, he he might have more faith in his ability than than he actually actual than ability. The ability has? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I you know you look at. Guys, will do that too, but it's just kind of it seems like almost like a backyard instinct type of thing. Right. Well, and so if you if you look at it like in the NFL right now, you have. You know, and I know people will say Josh Allen's the top guy, but like you have Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes who yeah. does things that nobody I mean, even Allen, who's who's great. I mean, that that flip Mahomes had, what was it, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Where where he ran around for five seconds, then ran towards the line and then underhand flipped it for a touchdown. Like that's exactly what you're talking about. The, the, that's backyard stuff. And then you have Allen who size, speed, arm strength can do things nobody else can like Mahomes may have as strong of an arm, but he's not as big and physical as Allen. And, and quite frankly, he's not as athletic as Allen is in that frame. Right. And then, and then you also have Kyler Murray who is able to do things where, you know, while Lamar Jackson avoids hits and usually is escaping and running, Murray has has turned into a guy that creates big throws down the field with his escapability. And so you have those guys who are like you would say like are the, you know, the the backyard football type, like the top end of that. And then you have guys like Mayfield um and, and others who try to do that stuff and you're just like we're just just get rid of the ball man like <laughs> live to fight like darnold day. comes to mind uh, darnold that yeah too. or like current day russell wilson he right seems <laughs> who looks awful right really now struggling. yeah 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 and so and so that's where i think levis is hedged more towards the mayfield side of things than he is like the allen side of things and i think that's what my concern is is like is a guy like Levis too much like a Sam Darnold who trusts his playmaking abilities too much? Because here's the other thing. You go back to a guy that I like coming out, and I think it was 2014, in Blake Bortles, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't that Bortles trusted himself. It was almost like, and, and I don't mean this in the, the negative way it's going to come out, it was almost like he was too dumb to understand that he shouldn't have done that. Right. Like he was like, Oh, like I can see it. I'm going to throw it. It's fine. It'll work out. Yeah. I didn't want to say that, but that's kind of what I was getting at with, with Allen, but that be, but he can do it. Yeah. Because he's so yeah. Innately or athletically gifted and, and and guys like dumb is not the word we're trying to use, you know, don't, don't get hung up on that. It's just, just like, I, 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 like it's, said, not a, like just it's not it's not a coachable thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not a coachable trait. Yeah. It it's not something that you can teach or you're like, "Hey, why don't you learn to do this quarterback that I'm training?" It's like it's like you either can do that or you can't. And so when Mahomes does it, it looks so much prettier and and like he so much more meaningful like he meant to do it. Right, exactly. Other, these other guys we're talking about. So so that's what I would say on Levis. Um, but he has some ability to do that stuff. 
I just wonder what part of that spectrum he ends up on because like if you if you say and I know people are going to laugh at me, but if you say Blake Bortles is the middle, right? A guy that mm-hmm. threw 35 touchdowns in a season and took his team to the AFC championship game. And you say, Hey, that is the middle of the spectrum of outcomes. And then you've got, and obviously we're not saying he's Mahomes or, or Allen, but you have the Mahomes Allen on that side. And then you have the Darnold Mayfield on the, on the low end, right? Like where, where on that spectrum does he end up? And right. that's what you have to decide when it comes to a guy like Will Levis. So just a couple notes on him. Again, we'll reiterate, he turns 24 in June. So a little older coming out. Same situation as Pickett, but I think with more athletic. Uh, well, I, Pickett was a good athlete. Maybe not athletic upside, but size to athletic upside. He, Levis is a more sturdy, uh, stout build than uh, Pickett, who's a slim guy, uh, and you see the ball just the ball does jump out of out of Will Levis's hands, unlike anyone else other than Richardson that we've talked about tonight. Uh, I still see him missing behind and high across the middle of the field. In particular, I'm I'm thinking of that game. Uh, it was the Florida game, I think. Um. So, is that the game I'm thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, um, there was also, uh, you know, that was also the game where he fumbled when he was running to the sticks, trying to make a play. That was very reminiscent of a play Josh Allen would have made at Wyoming. He, he laid out and while he was in the air, got the ball knocked loose. That was a turnover. He had a red zone turnover to a fumble to, to end that game. Um, four picks, three fumbles, two in that game, particular in particular, so not as secure at the ball as, as some, but uh, more so than, than Richardson so far this year anyway. But those are my notes on him. He's a power runner. He's going to be more uh, agile than people think. And he's a, he's a really good athlete. He had like a 36-inch vertical out of high school. So he's going to test very, very well. Um, and, so, and he will be a guy that, that does do the testing because he's got a lot to show off when it comes to that. And, you know, we, we talked about what a unique guy he is personality wise. And I was joking with, uh, Emery Hunt earlier. I said, maybe if KJ Jefferson, uh, ate mayonnaise or, uh, whole bananas, he might be getting some first round hype too. So I don't know. <laughs> you want to add anything on DJ? Cause that was your number five guy. Yeah. I've, I've said plenty on him. All right, the, my last guy is another oddity, but again, like he's a guy that I've watched more than some of these others this season, and he's a guy that I do wonder with the success of his predecessor if the NFL is going to give him a look, and that's Tanner McKee out of Stanford. Um, now, McKee doesn't have to declare this year, uh, but I think he is in his fourth year. At least they have him listed as a fourth year sophomore. I think. Yeah. So, so he's uh, he's draft eligible. He's, you know, he's probably going to be twenty two, twenty three when he's drafted. So, or if he came out this year. So the interesting thing about McKee is that you look at you look at a lot of these guys and you go, okay, this is where they're strong. This is where they're weak. With with McKee. He's really strong in a lot of in a lot of places, but he might be the best deep ball passer in the class. Um, 
on the season already, he has over 300 yards and, and six touchdowns throwing deep in only 18 attempts. So, like, when he does go deep, like, there's actually a really good chance it's going to be a touchdown, which, you know, is kind of absurd. Um, and And when you watch him play, it seems like those deep balls are where he's comfortable kind of showing off the size and arm. Um, where he's not as comfortable and why I had a guy like Levis over him is because that intermediate stuff is is really, really bad right now. And, and so that's where I'm interested to see if he comes back to Stanford this year. Um, because when you watch him play, it's almost like he doesn't understand yet the the feel for the intermediate game you know what i'm saying like he'll throw a ball that should have some touch on it and he's gonna and it'll sail over the guy and then he'll leave a ball short that can get undercut that he should have put some some sizzle on and like to me that's where i wonder if that's a coachable aspect or if it's just a thing that like you know kind of the backyard ball thing is if or if it's just innate in guys and that's why mckee's a guy i want to watch more um because he's coming from stanford you know like i said mills has been productive let's be honest like i wouldn't say he's a good quarterback by any means but he's been productive and given houston way more than what a lot of people expected and so he's probably mckee's going to probably be looked at in a similar way yeah, um, interestingly enough, he will be 23, uh, I think, in April. So if he does choose to come back, he's gonna, going to be one of those older quarterback prospects that we talk about. But I know McKee was a guy generating buzz in the offseason, and that buzz has kind of faded now that we're into the season. So um, definitely not a name I thought was going to come up tonight. So you did surprise me on that one. Yeah. So I think. Maybe we we both uh, had a couple surprises for each other, and for for everybody listening on the show. Um, anything else on McKee? No, I I you know McKee um, and uh, DJU, and then guys you talked about like Jefferson. Like I I'm really interested to see what they decide because outside of Stroud, Young, and Levis, I don't know who's going to declare this year. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Jefferson has eligibility left. Uh, Richardson, obviously, too. So, yeah, it's it's going to be we're, – we're looking at guys who may not even declare. There was one guy I wanted to talk about briefly. I mentioned him. And the reason I want to, me- to talk about him is because we've seen a couple tweets lately about him possibly getting first-round buzz because of his early season success, and that's Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Uh, Virginia Tech transfer. He's a grad transfer, super senior guy. He's who's now in his second season at Tennessee after three or four years of at Tech. He's going to be 25 in January, so he was born in 1998. And Hooker, I think, to me, for the, all the guys I watched, he maybe played in the most collegey, like quarterback friendly system of any of these quarterbacks that we've talked about, because there's a lot more of that uh, tendency to to one read and run with what he's doing at Tennessee 
with Josh Heupel there, right? There's tools there. He's He's got a good arm. He's got good zip over the middle of the field. To me, he locks into his receivers more than some of these other guys that we've talked about. I talked about how he's taller and slimmer than Richardson, but yet he'll run and, and he'll run try and run like a fullback. So he takes big shots. He's got to learn how to get down and slide. And um, he's got good touch, but and he takes care of the ball. Like no no interception so far this year. He does have three fumbles, but in general, he he's taking care of the ball. But one of the things I noted with Hooker, he looks very mechanical in the pocket on some plays. Looks uh, as a as a buddy of mine, uh, a buddy of ours, uh, Chad Dinkins has said in the past. He, he looks coached up when he's back there in the pocket passing. So um, very mechanical to me on some of those dropbacks. This is all something that if he was 21 years old, you would have a different outlook on his pro prospects than if he's going to be 25. So that's why, to me, Hendon Hooker, he's not going to be a top five quarterback in this class, but he's having a fantastic season and he's probably one of the Heisman contenders at this point. And we'll see Tennessee plays Alabama this weekend, so we'll see how that shakes out. But um very good, like I said, very good college player, playing great within the system. But I think there's still just a lot that needs to happen to get him up to NFL starter. Um, the way the NFL, that NFL coaching staffs, the way they expect young quarterbacks to play. Since this is a quarterback topic, I thought there was a couple uh, interesting takes from Saturday's games and and. You know, for me, I, Saturdays are pretty much out now. I don't get to watch much um, at all. But um, I think you and I, I think, both play catch up a lot on Saturdays because we're both swamped on the weekends. I, I think the big news out of this weekend was probably the Red River shootout, right? And how one-sided it was. Yes, yes. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, we talked about Max Duggan. Who I've been called Max Dugan, but I think that was a kid's movie called Max <laughs> Max Dugan Can't Lose or something. But Max Duggan, I finally listened to somebody else say his name. So, sorry, Max. But So, Quinn Ewers comes out and the Texas Longhorns completely obliterate. The oh, I'm, I'm talking about TCU's quarterback. My bad. But, yeah. No, that's all right. Um, I'm thinking of TCU obliterating Oklahoma the week before. Right. So... It was interesting because a tweet, and now it's a Texas fan, so I, I, get, I take it with a grain of salt, but it does. Was it Matt Miller? Not right. <laughs> no. Uh, it does bring up a, a question. Is Quinn Ewers QB1 in all of college football? Like, <laughs> just from a draft perspective, is he the guy that you would load up on more than any other? So, um, is he like the Trevor Lawrence, you know, yeah, the guy who is, I, who is get kind of crowned, um, early, although he went to championship game, right? Um, yeah. And yours, but he's in what would have normally, you know, had he not reclassified would be his true freshman season. Yeah. I mean, from an age perspective, right. From an age perspective, he's a true freshman. Mm-hmm. 
And and so I was just curious what your thoughts on that are because this is, you know, I think obviously we'll never know, but I think you and I both agree that if Ewers was stayed healthy in that Alabama game, Texas might win, probably wins that game. Good, there was a good chance. Um, you know, this is an interesting conversation because also Ewers, even though he reclassified and went to Ohio State early, he's still going to be twenty this spring. So, what what's early was late. You know, I, right? It, so he's still, he's on schedule, is what we should. He's are on schedule age wise for college sophomore, um, a redshirt freshman, which he is. Um, so, but I think the take the take just speaks to the the quarterback climate over the last couple of years where there has picked apart this class and, and uh, you know, this last, is a, a, the, yeah, yeah, last year was a mess. We didn't like any first round quarterbacks this year. The NFL is already talking about Will Levis being quarterback one. We, we talked about why he's not our, our quarterback one or um, two. And we're, <laughs> right. And, and we're going to, we differ from, from them, you know, we we know uh, Levis. They like his intangibles and leadership, the weight room stuff. Uh, that's a big thing that people have talked about. So I think it's just people are looking for where, who's that next superstar quarterback. And um, when we remember back to 2018, that was going to be Rosen and Darnold, and uh, then Allen and Mayfield emerged. Lamar Jackson always got inexplicably buried behind those guys. Um, look at 2017, people were skeptical about Mahomes and Watson, and we're already looking ahead to 18. 2016, we saw the NFL elevate, you know, Goff and Wentz all the way up to one and two. And now they're both on their second and third team, respectively. So it's really like the the Lawrence thing was, it seemed like he was going to be obvious number one from the minute he got into college. So I think that's what we have with yours and, and people are, people want to have a, an obvious number one because they get tired of having to At work, um, <laughs> having to make a hard call on the quarterback class. Like we've had to do the last couple of years. I think Malik Wallace was my number one quarterback last year, grudgingly. And, and I thought he was a day two guy. Um, a lot of people had Pickett number one last year. He threw three, three picks in his first, start um this year i think there's going to be a lot of back and forth people are going to have young people are going to have levis stroud maybe someone else maybe richardson it's it's up in the air so people really want to have an easy call to make a quarterback for a change so the last thing on the ewers thing and, and it's just an interesting conversation um ohio state number one in the country in points per drive at 4.13 um, so best offense in college football. When Quinn Ewers plays for Texas, they're at four point three seven per drive. So I think So you're saying Ohio State went with the wrong quarterback. <laughs> right. Don't they always? <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> no, but I mean it's just interesting, right? Because like you said, I think I think Ewers is gonna be interesting in two two aspects. One Obviously, um, he's got to continue to to play at the high level he has when he's on the field. Uh, two, 
and I think this is the bigger thing. Is he going to come out after next year when he's technically a redshirt sophomore? And, and yeah, he will. I'll say yeah, that. Right I, now. Yeah. And so that'll be what's interesting is like, how do, how does this all work? So it'll be interesting to see, but I just thought this was, that was a really interesting, like I said, it was a Texas fan. You know, I, I'm not shocked by it, but it brings up an interesting take when you look at the numbers that back up, like how good they are as a team. And he has been as a quarterback, um, you know, in, in his very limited, let's also stress that time on the field this year. And let's not forget his draft year. Say he does come out next year. He's going to have uh Caleb Williams too, in that class who I think a lot of people are, are expecting to be a high draft pick and, and maybe a player that they, like more than the quarterbacks that are eligible coming out this year. So there's there are there's always going to be competition. Even when Lawrence came out, um, some people liked Fields. Some people liked Trey Lance. So there there's always going to be competition. It's never going to be as easy a call as you want it to be. Anything else before we get out of here? I just want to shout out my our buddy uh, Matty Moe at – it me sabotage on Twitter. He tweeted back in July of 2022, this past summer, his quarterback list. And uh, he had CJ Stroud, Hendon Hooker, KJ Jefferson, then Bryce Young, then a, a number of other guys that we didn't talk about Grayson McCall, Will Rogers, DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson, then Anthony Richardson, then Spencer Rattler, then Devin Leary. So the reason I want to give a shout out to Maddie is he's got uh, a the right quarterback one on that list, but B the first guy that I know and and that you and I know were was high on KJ Jefferson, who's now as I said my quarterback too. The first guy also that we know who was lower I think on Bryce Young, which is kind of where we're starting to settle in too. So Maddie. Good call. I think after watching uh, the early part of this season, we're starting to sort of align, not not quite with what he said, but what he called back in July. So he had the crystal ball out, I guess, for the uh, ODBP as we put our rankings out for the first time this year. And he's a good guy to follow, so make sure you do follow. Uh... That's at it me sabotage. So thanks as always for listening. Thanks as always for subscribing. Uh, We really do appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with two new episodes. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point that just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.